The Tennis Can Win Podcast and the Sports Can Podcast are now presented by WinBet. WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. From boosted same-game parlays to live in-game odds, WinBet has what you need to win. Sign up today and bet $100 to get an extra $100 at sportscampodcast.com slash winbet the sportscampodcast.com slash W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. State restrictions apply. We're also brought to you by the College Basketball Experience. March Madness is heating up and you need to subscribe to the College Basketball Experience for all of your March Madness coverage. And welcome, everybody, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast here on the Sports Gam Podcast Network. It is currently early Saturday morning, March 4th, and I'm your host, as always, Scott Rochelle, once again going solo for this pod. And it is time to go through these Saturday tennis plays. And you're looking at the actual tournaments. You have two finals going on. One taking place in Dubai, one taking place in Acapulco, and you also have two semi-matchups taking place in Santiago, Chile. So we do have a fun four matches to go through, and I'm looking forward to breaking each of them down and giving out my favorite plays. But before I actually get into the previews, do want to recap how we did on the last episode. Overall, the leans on each match were not great. Uh, I fully admit that they were okay later on in the night, but they weren't. They weren't very good from the start so pretty underwhelming there but we did end up splitting the lock and dog picks had by as minus two and a half games as my lock against Dajir, and he ended up coming back in the second set he won by three games and then for our dog Wade Hoffman on the money line I still like the price and he was up a set but then Jari won the final two sets Hoffman tried to hang around but Jari is a big server and he landed 77 percent of his first serves which is absolutely insane. It's one of the best service matches that Jar that Jari ever had, and Hoffman just didn't have enough response defensively to combat the powerful first serves. So Hoffman, you know, laid it all in the line. Match was basically a coin flip, but Jari's serve was the deciding factor. So I ended up splitting, and we'll look for a sweep here. But I do want to recap the outrights that we have currently available uh, that we gave out earlier this week for Dubai. We have nothing. We gave out Djokovic and nothing else. Uh, Medvedev, I thought, would be too tired, and I wasn't really sold on Rublev based on consistency, so we don't have either of them in this final. So, unfortunately, we went 0-for-1 as we had Djokovic to win the tournament. However, for the other two, uh, two tournaments, we have done well. For Santiago, we had Baez at 6-1, to and he is still alive, taking on Echeverry in the semis. We also had an automatic semifinalist because we had Jari and Hoffman as plays and Hoffman we wanted to win because he was the longer shot and unfortunately he lost but Jari was also around six to one so we have two outrights that are still available in Santiago hopefully one of them wins and for Acapulco we gave out Diminor at around I believe it was nine to one and he is in the final against Tommy Paul. So we still have outrights in two of the three tournaments, including one finalist who's favored in the final. Hopefully, Diminor gets it done. We'll preview that match in a bit. But we got to start off with the actual recap from yesterday's action. And even though the matches occurred last, because it was Acapulco, I got to start there. Because those two matches were absolutely wild. Starting off with the match between Tommy Paul and Taylor Fritz. Paul got the job done. Didn't exactly expect that, but I did like the over in that match. And it was a three-plus-hour marathon with a bunch of cramping. And Tommy Paul had a match point there in the second set. He missed what seemed to be a pretty makeable shot. 
And then Fritz ended up dominating the breaker and ended up winning the second set. And then on top of that, he ended up uh, taking a lead early on in the third set. Paul fell behind early, eventually got the break back down 3-2, and then ended up doing enough to survive while he was seriously cramping, fought off a bunch of break points, and ended up surviving before eventually winning that tiebreaker 7-2. But as Tommy Paul was battling cramps in that third set, Fritz started to get nauseous, and he puked uh, in the middle of the third set. On top of that, he ended up putting away the final point to send the, the final set to a tiebreaker, and with the overhead slam, he ended up injuring his foot, and you could tell that he immediately tweaked something. It was either in his ankle or it was in the heel of his foot, but you can tell as soon as that happened, Fritz couldn't move, especially to the backhand side. And Tommy Paul, despite not being able to move, was, I guess, more accustomed to his underwhelming health conditions as opposed to Fritz. And Fritz immediately fell behind 5 nothing in the breaker, and the match was over. So congrats to Paul. The only concern is how quickly he's going to be able to recover after being a really just at, I'd say, 50% health, maybe even worse than that. For a lot of that third set, the cramping was a problem. He couldn't really move. He couldn't even jump that much for the serve. So I am curious how quickly he will be able to recover. And then you had the other semifinal between Rune and Diminor. We leaned to Rune in this one, and Rune was looking very sharp, and then he injured his foot, or his leg. He also started cramping, and or he might have pulled something. The point is he injured something in his leg, and after that, Diminor took over, ended up winning the second set 7-5, and then the third set, Rune could not move, and Diminor opened up a dominant lead and ended up coasting to a 6-2 win there. So nice job of Diminor taking advantage of the less than even 40% health Rune at the end of that match. He couldn't even jump to serve at the end. But you're looking at the matches themselves and how phenomenal they were. Anytime you have two semifinals and two out of three format, and each match goes roughly three hours... You know the fans got their money's worth, and Diminor got the job done. So did Tommy Paul. So congrats to them. But I wanted to start off with that with those two matches because those two matches were crazy. Easily the best two matches of the Friday card or early Saturday morning card, if you want to technically include the Diminor match as being a Saturday match because it took place past midnight. Then it was two. It was the best two matches available. So. That's going to wrap up my recap on those two matches because I had to start there. Those two matches were crazy. I recommend looking up the highlights. It was extremely unpredictable, and it was just a hell of a spectacle. But to move on to the other matches, I talked about Jari in the Lock and Dog segment and how he was serving out of his mind, and Jari just really dominated serving in the final two sets, did not get broken in the final two sets. Besides that, though, uh, I will go with the Dubai tournament first, because that, of course, is happening first, chronologically speaking. So starting off with the matchup, you have Rublev taking on Medvedev, and Djokovic, of course, was our outright pick. He lost to Medvedev in straight sets. Not really much more to add in terms of the analysis for the semifinal matchups. Rublev had a bunch of match points in the second set, almost blew it, but held on. He ended up converting on his sixth match point, and that ended up giving him the win, 11-9 in the breaker. Zverev served well on the first serve, ended up winning 80%. Sorry, won 70% of his first serve points. The problem was Zverev once again 
got exposed by his horrible second serve. And it's really crazy. I was very, you look at the actual height and he is six foot six. Uh, you look at how he's built. He's pretty strong. And yet he can't just, ta- he can't serve a second serve. It's bizarre. The miles per hour drop off between the first serve and the second serve has been an issue for years. The confidence is non-existent with the second serve. And if you look at the actual stats, it sounds embarrassing because it is, but I got to mention it. Zverev only won four of his 17 second serve points. Rublev won 13 of 17 points when when Zverev faulted. So that really summed up the match because the match was competitive, and yet Rublev took advantage of every fault that Zverev had, and it was basically a free point, and Rublev took those to the bank for a nice win. So congrats to Rublev, and Medvedev went full-on wall mode against Djokovic and looked amazing. He's looked phenomenal all of 2023, and he definitely looks like a top five player, top three player arguably in the world right now. So keep an eye on that moving forward. But to go through the money line prices for the match here, Medvedev, huge favorite, minus 450 on the money line. Rublev is plus 360 uh, on the money line the other way. Medvedev, minus four and a half games is minus 105. Rublev, plus four and a half games is minus 115. The over-under is 20 and a half games, minus 135 to the over, plus 105 to the under. Or Or you could take 21 and a half as an alt line, even money. On the over, minus 120 to the under. And Medvedev to win in straight sets is minus 150. Rublev to win a set is roughly plus 130. And if you want to go for some props, you have aces props available, double fold props available, and breaks of serve. I'll go through each of them. The total number of aces is 13 and a half. Rublev, three plus aces is minus 160. Under that is plus 130. Uh, Medvedev is 10.5 aces, plus 105 on the over, minus 135 to the under. Breaks of serve, Rublev to break one time is minus 180. For him not to break is plus 150. And Medvedev to break three times, minus 160. To break less than three times, plus 130. The total number of breaks both players combined is three and a half. The over is minus 140. The under is plus 100. And double faults, the over-under for both players is four and a half. And the double faults for Rublev, over one and a half is minus 180. Under one and a half is plus 150. And for Medvedev, it is two and a half. Over is plus 105. And the under is a minus 135. So first glance, any props I like, I would lean to the over in the double faults. We know Medvedev has a problem with double faults in the past. Wasn't an issue yesterday. But his first serve percentage was, and you look at his numbers against Djokovic yesterday, his first serve percentage was only 58%. He really had a hard time of getting the first serve in play. And if that happens again, and you have to see Medvedev hit a lot of second serves, I think he's going to hit more than one double fault. So I am going to go with the over in that one. And Rublev also is pretty aggressive on second serves at times, especially with a good returner like Medvedev. And I think you'll end up seeing a decent amount of double faults in this match. So I will go with the over of four and a half combined double faults. Besides that, don't really see much here. I think Rublev will break one time, but I'm not going to lean to a minus 180. I don't really see much else on that one. For this matchup, to go through the head-to-head, Medvedev has dominated historically, but Rublev has dominated recently. So Medvedev won the first five meetings. Uh, all these games, were, all these matches were on hard court, by the way. So Medvedev was 5-0, and and then Rublev won the final two, won in the ATP Finals last year in the round-robin stage via final set tiebreak, and he won in 2021 in Cincinnati in three sets. Rublev came back from one set down. So 
Rublev has had his number recently, but Medvedev is playing some of the best tennis of his career. I know he won the U.S. Open, and he beat Djokovic, and then he ended up making the final in the Australian Open, and he had that massive choke job against Nadal. That was the best tennis of his career until this recent stretch. Just based on the eye test, he looks better than he ever has before, and he looks like a freight train at this point. He's won two titles. He's going for his third straight. He has a pretty long match winning streak. He won 21 straight points to finish a match against a top 25 caliber player in Chorich. Then he beat the best player in the world in straight sets yesterday. Rublev, nice win against Verev, but I have to at least point out that you're looking at who Rublev's beaten in this event. He beats Verev. He beat Fakina, and that was a miracle he beat Fakina. But Fakina is a pretty good player. I can't say that he's amazing by any means. I like him. But you're looking at everybody else. He just hasn't beaten many guys. He beat Krajinovic in the first round. He hasn't faced many difficult opponents. And I think that this is a massive step up in competition for him. Now, these guys know each other very well because they're both Russian. They competed in juniors together. They've I'm, I'm sure they're friends off the court. Uh, but I do think you're going to end up seeing Medvedev win this match, probably in straight sets. But Rublev is the defending champion. And I think he is capable of making this match interesting in terms of potentially covering a spread, maybe losing 6-4, 6-4, maybe having a breaker in there. But I do think Medvedev is going to win. I'm not picking Rublev to pull off the upset. I would maybe lean to the over, and maybe you can get a tie break in there. If you get one tie break and the total is 20 and a half, you're basically guaranteed to win. So I would consider taking the over, but I think Medvedev gets the job done. And transitioning over to the semis in Santiago, uh, I am going to look at the Baez match first, taking on Echeverry. Baez minus two games is minus 140. Over under is around 23 and a half. Over is is a plus 120. The under is minus 150. Bias straight sets is around uh, plus 130. And Echeverry to win a set is minus 160. Besides that, it's basically it for the actual lines. Now, for the head-to-head, this is a very, very competitive head-to-head series. Now, there is a caveat. They have played one time since 2020. They matched up four times in 2019, and each player split those four meetings. So that was a long time ago, all in qualifier events or uh, challenger events or futures, etc. But they did play in 2022 in Lyon and Baez mopped the floor with him. Baez won 6-2-6-1. He killed them. But you're looking at these guys so far in this event. Baez, I still think, has been the best player in this event. I think that he's looked extremely sharp. That's why we backed him against Dejir. And even with the bad bounces and the terrible line judges, we'll get back to that in a second. Baez has looked very, very comfortable compared to most players. Now, Echeverry dominated against Lovic in his last match. Lovic just looked really off. He was way too passive the entire time. He had a bunch of unforced errors. It just seemed like Lovic was having a bad day at the office. Echeverry looked good, don't get me wrong, but I do think that Baez is the better player. And I think that based on the domination from last year's head-to-head, I think it sounds right to me. I think with a bad court with a bunch of low bounces, Baez actually has the advantage there because of how short he is. And I do think that Echeverry, despite being a solid player who's having a pretty good 2023, he still hits a lot of unforced errors, and I think that Baez will wear him down over these sets. I am going to go with Baez minus two games. I think that he'll be able to get the job done potentially in straight sets. But I can see a path where Baez wins a set like 6-2 or 6-1. And at that point, you have a pretty nice head start. And Baez can even lose a set 
and you still win the uh, spread for the games. But I think Echeverry is good. I think that Baez is really a great clay player, especially when healthy. I know that he's not going to be able to beat the guys like a prime Nadal or like Alcaraz or whatever, but we saw Baez take Zverev to five sets in the French Open, and Zverev has been pretty good in Roland Garros before. So I think that's a good sign moving forward, uh, just based on like what we saw last year, that Baez is not messing around on clay, and I'm going to go with him. He hasn't dropped a, he hasn't dropped a set yet. He's looked dominant. He's only been broken one time in this entire tournament. He's been really sharp, and I think as a result, I will go with Baez to get the job done in most likely straight sets, but I'll play it safe, and I will take him minus two games at minus 140. Moving on to the second semifinal matchup, you have Munar taking on the home crowd favorite Jari. Jari is the home favorite at minus 170, and Munar is around plus 150 the other way. For game spread, Jari is minus two at minus 118. Munar is plus two at minus 102. The over-under is 23 flat, minus 105 to the over, minus 115 to the under. And Jari to win in straight sets is plus 155. Over two and a half sets is plus 130. I'm going to be simple with this one. I think this match is a war. And even though, even though Munar has been a bit underwhelming in 2023 he has looked pretty comfortable in this event jari has survived he really hasn't looked good and the first serve percentage was huge against hoffman but if that first serve percentage comes down to like 60 percent i do think the unforced error is going to come back to bite him and i think that munar is quite alive to win this match so for me i'm going to actually go with the over two and a half sets at plus 130 i think you'll end up seeing a bit of a war to go through the head-to-head they have faced off twice in their careers, and each match was an absolute war. They faced off in Bastad in round one of qualifying in 2022, so last year. Munar won that one 7-6, 4-6-6-4, and they faced off against each other in Cordoba in 2021. Jari won that one 5-7-7-6-6-4. So you're looking at the game total, and three of the six career sets have had at least 12 games. Each set has had at least 10 games. I see a very long match. I like the over 23 games here, and I do also like the over two and a half sets. I think you will see these guys kill each other. I think Munar is quite alive to win this match, but I do think that you're going to end up seeing it probably go to three sets. So give me a bit of a marathon there. And moving on to the final match we're going to preview here, going to be in Acapulco as we have a matchup between Diminor and Paul. Diminor is minus 120 on the money line, give or take, and Paul is around even money. To go through the head-to-head, Diminor has owned Tommy Paul in the head-to-head. They faced off three times in different surfaces each time, actually, in 2022, and Diminor won all three. They faced off in Eastbourne, which is a grass tournament. Diminor won that one in three, faced off in clay in Rome, and or on clay in Rome. Diminor won that one seven five six four. And they faced off against each other in Indian Wells last year, and Diminor won that one 7-6-6-4. So the matches have been competitive, but Diminor has won. And I'm going to go with Diminor in this match. I'm not going to overthink it. I hope that he wins because we have the outright, but I have to at least acknowledge that Tommy Paul looked miserable in the final set. The cramping was bad. He was barely being able to move, and he eventually won because Fritz was exhausted too. He started to puke. He also ended up having the 
uh, leg injury on that slam or the foot injury, and he couldn't move after that. I'm really questioning Tommy Paul's ability to recover from that physical toll the semifinal match had on him. Diminor, on the other hand, was fine at the end of the match. He was moving around pretty well. He knew that Rune was hurt. He was being pretty smart with it. But I think that Diminor should be a bigger favor, and I think money will pretty much pour in on him because of how exhausted Tommy Paul looked in the third set. And I think that you're going to end up seeing Paul lose this match because of it. Now, I think you're going to end up seeing a bit of a war for a set or two. Diminor still doesn't have a lot of firepower, but I do like his movement and his consistency. And both players are kind of similar servers. They're okay. They're not great. But give me Diminor on the money line. I think minus 122 is a bargain. And I think you'll probably see that close closer to 140, maybe 150, once people fully factor in the fatigue angle for Tommy Paul. Besides that, though, uh, I think you're going to see a close match, but I think that Diminor gets the job done. As for my updated picks to win the tournaments, Dubai, I have Medvedev, obviously, for Santiago. I'm going to go with Baez. I mentioned it last episode. I think he's looked like the best player so far, and nothing has really changed for me. And then for the Acapulco match, I have Diminor as well. So that's going to wrap it up for the actual previews there for the three tennis tournaments. But before I should get into the lock and dog picks, want to take a quick word from our sponsor. We're brought to you by WinBet. WinBet is the official online sportsbook of the SportsCam Podcast Network. WinBet is active in a bunch of states, and there are a ton of ways to win, including live betting and same-game parlays, a.k.a. WinBet's build-your-own-bet. March Madness is almost here, and there are plenty of ways to win and bet on uh, NBA, NHL, and XFL action. Sign up today to receive a special offer. Bet $100 again next for $100, limited to state availability. And, of course, for our DGENs only, if you hit the biggest long shot parlay of the week, you get a $1,000 free credit bonus. There's so much to choose from, and all you have to do is head over to sportscampodcast.com slash winbet. Send so we send you to sportscampodcast.com slash W-I-N-N-B-E-T. Offer subject change term and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 or older and present in the state where play to winbet is available. If you or somebody you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. We're also brought to you by the SGPN Merch Store. Uh, the merch store continues to add new items to the store every day. Head over to store.sportscampodcast.com to get your favorite shirts, hats, sweats, and hoodies. My favorite item is still the coffee cup, the over two and a half cups of coffee, which I think is really, really funny. And most importantly, it's a solid mug. I mean, any time that you can have a nice coffee mug to add to your collection, that also kind of makes you laugh every time you look at it. I think that's definitely a bonus, and it's a keeper item, and that's why I recommend it. Plus, just in time for March, you get 10% off when you spend more than $40 if you use the code MADNESS. We're also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy is your home for off-season NFL best ball drafts, plus... They also have you covered in a ton of other daily games, including NBA, NHL, and PGA Golf. Underdog Fantasy is a great way to get down on your favorite player props if they're not available in your state. Head over to underdogfantasy.com and use the promo code SGPN for a 100% deposit bonus up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com, promo code SGPN. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast. Just finished previewing the four tennis matches on Saturday. Now it's time to get into the lock and dog picks. Starting off with the lock, I am going to double down on the Acapulco match. 
I really, really hope Diminor wins because then we win two times over with the outright win. But the point is, I have to go with Diminor on the money line. I found minus 122. I'm going to take it. Tommy Paul could not move in the final couple of games there. It was incredible resolve that he ended up surviving that match. But now he has to start over, and I am concerned about the cramping. I think that his legs will get in issues in this final. And Diminor was really the only semifinalist yesterday who did not have serious cramping issues or a serious leg injury. I think Diminor is going to use his healthier form and win against Paul. He's won the three head-to-head meetings. He is definitely capable of making Paul run around. And I think that even though both players have mediocre serves, Paul's serve might be worse because of the inability to jump as high with the leg injury. So I will go with Diminor to beat up on an injured Tommy Paul in the money line at minus 122. And for my dog, I am going to go to Santiago. I'm going to look at the late match between Munar and Jari. And I am going to go with the over two and a half sets at plus 130. We took it earlier in the tournament for the two and a half sets in the Ramos, Vanolas, and Montero match. And that one easily. But Munar won in three against Montero yesterday. He's not afraid of of getting himself into longer matches. And Jari's gone back-to-back three setters against Schwartzman and against Hoffman. I think you're going to see a very competitive match. I mentioned the head-to-head and how all of their sets have had at least 10 games. Each of the two head-to-head meetings on clay win three sets. I think plus 130 is a good price. I think you'll see a coin flip match. So give me the over two and a half sets as my dog. So once again, the lock and dog picks for the Saturday show are going to be on Diminor. Money line at minus 122 is the lock. And I am going to go with Jari and Munar over two and a half sets at plus 130 as my dog. That's going to wrap it up though for this episode of the Tennis Gambling Podcast. We're back once again sometime next oh back again tomorrow actually to go through the final in santiago so keep an eye on that but i did mention before that i wanted to get a brief rant off my chest and i'm going to get it off my chest now santiago i understand that it's you're the only clay court tournament running however that does not give you the right to have some of the crappiest clay court clay court uh clay courts i've ever seen the quality of clay is an embarrassment And when you compound it with how awful the lines judges have been, it has been one of the worst ATP tournaments I've ever seen. Now, the crowd has been very, very emotional whenever the hometown guys have played. We saw it with Jari, and they were constantly making noise whenever you saw Hoffman or Schwartzman fault in their two matches in the third set. But I can't look past the fact that the clay looks dry, The bounces are horrible. It's skidding all over the place. And I don't know how much you're paying the line judges at the event. Fire everybody. Because the amount of overrules that I saw yesterday was disgusting. The line judges at your tournament are horrible. And you have to consider replacing them. Or even just going to Hawkeye. Can we get some clay tournaments that actually use video review instead of having tennis players do this dance with the chair umpire where they circle a spot, whether it's the right spot or not, and then the line judge has to stare it down from four different angles. Sorry, the chair umpire has to stare it down from four different angles and then give their opinion on if it was in or not. So I please just give me video review. It takes too long, and these, once again, the line judges have been the story for me as from a, just even a viewer 
they're replaying points all the time in the Baez Dejir match. They're calling shots that are out mid 30 shot rally that are clearly in. The line judges are horrible. The court quality is horrible. Santiago, do better. That's my brief rant. But either way, we'll be back once again tomorrow for the final in Santiago. And until then, you can find me on Twitter, Rice Show Radio. And last but not least, good luck to all of you and all of your bets. Bye, everyone.